there was actually a nine-year period for me where I didn't make a noise. I didn't want to be heard. I didn't want to sing. I really didn't want to sing because that voice had gotten me to this place. And that music, I didn't want to do music. You know, it was really a time where I didn't like myself that much, so I hated the sound of my voice and, you know, and all that. And I remember being stood on stage. It could have been Newcastle. There was somewhere where I was stood and I was singing. And, you know, singing is a... It's just a brilliant thing. People sing in the shower. They sing when they're painting. You're happy when you're singing. And I remember going, I love this. I love this. This is what I did in those clubs, travelling around Wigan. I used to run out on stage because I loved it. And I was back there again. That is the voice, of course, of Gary Barlow. I've known Gary not forever, but nearly forever. He and Take That When They Were A Five Piece came on The Big Breakfast, I think, in 1993. I'm not quite sure. That'll be 30 years ago soon. So let's move on, shall we? Um, And then I witnessed their breakup. Robbie leaving in 95. And I remember when I was working on Radio 1, they held a live press conference, the remaining four members, to announce they were splitting up, they were disbanding. And then, of course, um, they came back in 2005 with a documentary um, to begin with and then back by popular demand to play some gigs because this guy called Simon, who you'll, you'll hear mentioned in this conversation, said... I think people want to see you again. And by the way, more than they ever did first time around. And boy, was he right. And here we are, 16 years on, um, living to tell the tale and, uh, and, and how Gary tells the story of his own experience. Right from the age of four, buying his first single with his pocket money. Uh, you'll never guess what it was, by the way. Um, up until today uh, and what's going on with him today and where we are with the pandemic and how how much he can't wait to see Elton John play live and perhaps play with him this June but hey I'm telling you too much it's all still to come but first today's super special Gaza Baza episode of How to Out is brought to you by Better You the innovative natural health company specialising in the supplementation of the growing number of key nutrients lost through our dramatically changing diet and lifestyle Better You currently have 25% off their magnesium range until the end of February and How to Out listeners can get free delivery with their order by using the code WOW at checkout visit betteryou.com slash wow to get started that's betteryou.com slash wow to get started magnesium is a powerful mineral responsible for over 300 different actions in the body making it one of the most essential nutrients we require magnesium supports muscle recovery and natural relaxation supplementing this vital mineral ensures you maintain a healthy balanced body a magnesium rich body will be stronger more flexible and better able to resist both physical and emotional stress our need for magnesium has never been so great modern diets and pressured lifestyles have resulted in a drastically poor magnesium intake, significantly lower than anything experienced before. Symptoms associated with magnesium deficiency are, recognise any of these, bone and joint pain, stress, muscle spasms, poor sleep, muscle cramping, fatigue, poor concentration. Please tell me, where do I sign? 
Better use award-winning transdermal magnesium oil is a highly absorbent solution which penetrates the barriers of the skin, bypassing the digestive system and delivering magnesium directly into the body cells. This is the thing, the ultimate way to replenish magnesium levels. And there's also better use magnesium flakes, ideal for replenishing the body with this essential mineral, promoting overall well-being, aiding skin health and relaxing muscles. When added to a body or foot bath, this becomes the most relaxing way to remineralize. The relatively low concentration yet large surface area exposed makes this application suitable for everyone, including during pregnancy and for children and by those with skin disorders, promoting natural relaxation by soothing, aching and tired muscles. There's also their magnesium gel, their magnesium lotion, their magnesium body butter, and every single Betty You product is proudly palm oil and palm oil derivative free. The entire Betty You magnesium range is contained in plant-based plastic packaging that utilizes sugar cane as an ethanol source rather than fossil fuels. And this plant-based plastic is also fully recyclable and can be disposed of alongside regular plastics, which is all great news because you send off for all this good stuff and then it comes in this single-use plastic and you think, hang on a minute, uh, you know, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul here. It's just not working. Once again, Betty You currently have 25% off their magnesium range until the end of February. And how to wow listeners, that is you, can get free delivery with their order by using the code WOW at checkout. Visit betteryou.com slash wow to get started and find out more. Now cue the Gary Barlow conversation. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy oh. birthday, Gazabazo. Thanks, mate. Happy birthday to you. Thank you so much. Thank You're you. You're right. You're yeah, good. So the big five oh, what did you do? <laughs> well, I wasn't allowed to do a lot, um, but yeah, you know, it was it was actually lovely. We were at home. All the kids are back home at the moment. Have been here since December, so it's just lovely. Nice presents, nice dinner. Dawn cooked a nice dinner last night. It was just yeah. nice, simple. No pressure. You see, the, yeah. the pressure is the the thing. So uh, yeah, it was lovely, mate. Very nice. What, what might you have done otherwise? Oh, I'd booked the London Palladium. <laughs> I'm serious. Honestly? Yeah, I had. I had. I've actually rebooked it for a year from now. Uh, so <laughs> we can do it properly. But uh, no, it's it, 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 it can wait. It can all wait. We will get there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's the opposite of how we used to feel about life, isn't it? It is. It is. I, you know what? I mean, there is. I know there's some shit going down at the moment that, that, that you know, we don't see, but it's happening. But we're the lucky ones, you know. It's not been so bad. It's really not, and we'll we'll know what's important at the end of this. What did you do for your fortieth? I did a gig. <laughs> I did, I did um, a gig at Shepherd's Bush Empire. Um, yeah, and it went out live on Radio Two. I, I like an event, Christopher. You know me. Yeah, no, life you is to an share event. The party. Yeah. You like you like to sort of throw the party, don't you? I do. I am the one who likes to do the surprising and not be surprised. I do. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And um, what about your 30th? Do you remember that? 30? I can't remember that. 30th? Where was it? That, that, was, that was a whole different time for me. It was, was, wasn't it? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. I can't even remember that. Yeah. So that would have been 2001. 
Um, five years after Take That split up, 96. Yeah, not a um, happy time, that. No, but not the darkest. You, that was still yet to come, wasn't it? It was only a few months later, though, I think. I think I think the darkest was just after our daughter was born. Um, yeah, Dawn was trying to bring up two kids, and it was, re- it was low. That was a low time. Um, of course, I wished I'd have known all this was coming because I'd have enjoyed the time off, but... I spent most of the time <laughs> blaming myself, blaming others, and know. you know what you know. They're funny those bits. Well, we'll get it, we'll get to all that presently. So you know, but general hindsight never won a war, of course. Uh, nope. Hindsight twenty twenty vision, we know that. And isn't it funny? You never cease to be surprised about how little we know because you know we gain experience, we learn things. Yeah. You know, hopefully we get a bit wiser, but it doesn't come any easier. And somebody said to me. A couple of weeks ago, life doesn't get any easier. We just get better at it. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess, I guess um, yeah, a lot of this stuff I wish I'd have known years ago. <laughs> I really do. And, you know, the simple things like, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a quite a, you know, for anyone who knows me, I'm I'm serious about what I do. I, I laugh a lot and, and, you know, we make a joke on stuff like this, but I'm very serious about what I do. Yeah. And it kind of ruins it, the seriousness, the, because yeah. it's, it's meant to be fun music. People are meant to engage with it and love it and like it and all the rest of it. Um, and, and I found the fun in it in sort of the last five years. Um, the fun that I had when I was at the stage where I was going down to London every six weeks, going around record labels, trying to find, and I had that smile on my face and that, um, that, that look of someone who was excited about what he was doing. And I think when you, when it becomes your job, you lose a bit of that because you, then you get the worry and you get the responsibility and then the kids arrive, more responsibility, and all of a sudden it's the panic then of trying to stay on the carousel. Well, it's the bookends. I think it's nothing to lose when you start off and nothing to prove once you've been through all the, all the like you say, all the shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the nothing to prove is a big one too because, um, well, especially, I, I guess you have to look at our history, you know, in the 90s. Up until back for good, people just thought we were crap um, <laughs> and told us. Um, and, uh, you know, and you, you're fighting that thing of, no, no, we're good. Yeah. We, we can, you know, look at this. And, and I think that that is generally, even today, is kind of our work ethic, that there was a time when people thought we were crap. There's, there's still some people who think we're crap. That's fair enough. But, um, but it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> I had a, Chris, I had a lovely child. You know the area we come from. Mm. Um, I think it's a, you know, I, I, I used to spend a lot of time dreaming about getting away from that little village I was born in, um, which is called Frodsham in Cheshire. Um, and it actually, um, it, it, it was one of those things that I think anyone who comes from a small town I think that you work harder at trying to get out of there than you would work if you were living in Notting Hill from a child and you were already around London. It felt like this big place that I had to work even harder than everyone else to get to. Um, So I had a lovely childhood. I had a a very happy mum and dad. They were very happily married for 43 years. Very, very rarely heard an argument. It was a very happy house. 
Um, I was a pain in the arse as a child. I just wanted attention all the time. You can see where that story's heading. Um, so, um, it, no, it was good. And then I started getting involved in music at 10. And that was when everything changed for me. That's when all of a sudden um, I could see uh, I found a passion. I was just crazy, you know, from the those first gigs I did when I was 11. I got my first job at 11, a uh, little club in Connors Quay. Um, called the uh, Connors Key Labour Club. £18 I was played for Saturday night, played for four hours every Saturday. And that was it. Once I had that first applause, that's all I've been chasing ever since, I think, um, is looking out and looking at people having a, having a lovely night to what you're doing, seeing smiles come on people's faces, seeing people sing along to the songs. Once I felt that, that's all I've been doing since, I think, on a bigger scale. But I've done some uh, elementary maths there while you've been talking. So, 1982, when you were 11, yeah. £18 for four hours, that's £4.50 an hour. I think that was probably way <laughs> above minimum wage at the time. So, that, that wasn't a bad rate, pal. Uh, well, do you know what, uh, Chris? Listen, I've, I've, ne I've never really had any money. And the reason for that is, is that as I earned the money, I'd spend it on a keyboard or I'd buy a new synthesizer or that that took over straight away was the fact that I, it wasn't enough to just play the thing that was in front of me I could hear these sounds in my head that I couldn't replicate on these things so as the money came in it'd go out again buying buying new equipment and that's how I built a studio up over the years and that's how I slowly understood the science of music and how it's made and um you know, and they're, 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 they're a lot of these things, actually, I I used to, I was a, I, I don't mind saying I was a really excellent pianist and keyboard player until I joined Take That. Because once I joined the band, <laughs> all we did so was funny. tour, chase girls, do shows. I I very rarely sat at my key and I, I kind of lost it, actually. Every, every tour... I go into this rehearsal process and I I really rue the day where I stopped playing because I I lost it and I was I was really good when I was a, a young man. Um but anyway. Well you see you touched on something there. Um when you said, you know, I used to hear these these tunes in my head and thought, how do I get these yeah. on a keyboard? And I was gonna ask you, you speak two languages because you speak English, but you also speak music. Um I suppose to to speak it in the end, you have to hear it in the first place. Now, for somebody who doesn't, I love music, but I, you know, I don't have the same relationship that you have with it. What's it like to speak fluently the language of music for those of us who have no idea? You know what? It's it's unbelievable. It, it's a beautiful environment because I, um, you know, I still put music on and get goosebumps, and 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 I know why I'm getting the goosebumps, but it still gives me goosebumps. That's the that's the whole thing about music. It, it, it is, it's like black magic. The whole thing is, um, it's the reason I'm friends with so many people is because I'm fascinated by the fact that no matter who you are, you know, I'm in my studio today and no matter who you are in history, whether you're Paul McCartney, whether you, it doesn't matter. Just before I put my hands on the keyboards, I don't know what's going to happen that day. And, and Chris, some of the times I've sat at a keyboard, it's changed the course of my whole life. It, it, and, and that is the thrill 
of music is that 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 second of silence before you play the you just don't know what's going to happen that day you don't know where it's going to lead you um and you know listen as i've also had times where i can't come up with anything and that is 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 it's paralyzing that that is um and and it actually goes to show that it it's not just knowing the language of music um it's looking after yourself and looking after your your mental state and keeping your um you know your confidence high because it's confidence and and things like that which mean you can open up that vulnerability to go i i think this is good and you put it down and you you make a you create some art that you believe in and you finish and you polish and all the rest of it so that all plays a part as well but it but it is wonder to 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 now finish the longest answer ever to the shortest question it is amazing <laughs> to be in the world of music amazing no no no, it's, no you crack on with these long answers pal the less of me and the more of you in this the better but you know we've talked we both you know them and i know them you know them better than i do i've interviewed lots of them you know the most famous musicians in the world and you're you're definitely part of that gang nowadays um and some of them you know on a bad day can barely string two words together but it's not because they're not being attentive or they're being rude you know i've i've sat in front of someone we both know really well and he has barely been able uh, to to respond to me and i think it's because he's it so distracted by music that's going on in his head all the time you know could that be the case? Is that what happens inside your musicians' brains? Do you hear music? So when you sit down at a piano and you say, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'm struggling to write or come up with something, is it because you're not hearing it in order to reproduce um, it? The, 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 the question about the reason you sit to write is an interesting one because it makes different music that reason does. Because, you know, I've, I've just done my own album and what's beautiful about your own album is it's not you're not writing to a script you're not writing to a um a picture you're not writing to even you're not writing for a band you know that that's a different writing session for me when i sit down and go right this is my album where am i going to go that is beautiful that is really beautiful however it's also beautiful when you go why? Okay, we're a band. We've been around thirty years. Where do we go next? That's exciting. Oh, there's this beautiful movie I've just watched, and they want a song for the end. Wow! What can I do? What can? And that's the point where you start hearing things. That's the point where the emotions begin. And until the emotions begin, the music doesn't happen. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it it it's 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 a way of you know it's an expression. Music is so. I'm expressing how excited or how moved I am by a lyric I've just thought of or a situation that I've been... It's the emotion that drives the music to come out. And then you build on that emotion. You add to it and you add the colours. And it's, you know, it's a little bit like uh, painting a picture. You know, you start with... When I come in with that lyric or that, that reason to sit down, it's a, it's a pencil sketch. And then you you build the color around it, and you know you know that that process is as artistic and as crucial uh, as the writing of the music in the first place. Every step is um, so it, it is a fascinating one. It really is. So it's em emotion, imagination, process, and then um, sort of uh, sort of. Uh, 
uh, sanding it down, nipping and tucking it, and then framing it, uh, is it, and then performing it. Is that it? Yeah, be, yeah. Because to to me, you know, when when I was in that club and and I was saving up and buying synthesizers, it's because. I wanted to continue that process of ju just writing the words and the music wasn't enough. I wanted to be the one to express that then, to take the message to people. So that's when mm. I built my voice up to do that. And then I wanted to add the music around it. And, you know, that's the that's the thing that I, I as I write, I can hear what the strings should be playing. I know what the cellos should be doing at that point. I know the voices of what the flute should be it's all those things to me that make the picture of 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 a perfect song that must be wonderful to have to to have all those sort of different subsets in your mind going on at the same time and can you pick and choose which ones you want to hear before you oh it's oh it's not it's not wonderful ask my wife it drives her up <laughs> ask it, my Chris, wife. it drives her up the wall she went i'm speaking but you're not listening what are you hearing <laughs> right it is a pain yeah. it really is a pain but my you, wife calls my wife calls that old picture no sound. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I, I'm I'm not a lot. I, I it is distracting. And the the other thing is is that I when I speak to other songwriters about this, that that first hour of being in the company of a new song, it is very precious. Is get the phone away. Don't be distracted. There's so many things that distract us away from music. Yeah. Now is that li live with it. Be be it. Let it be your friend for that hour. Because as you're giving birth to this to this new thing that the world's never seen before, it's just you and it for that hour. And I think it's very precious. And I try and get as much out in that first hour, whether it's the scoring or whether it's the piano voicings or whether it's me putting my vocal down. And I, ca I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gone back to a song three months later and I can't sing it. That that, that first performance was it because I was in its company for the first time. I've never heard it couched like that before. What a lovely way of putting it. So, so those first encounters with a new song... Um, tell us, tell us about the ones that have got away then, because I suppose you you have got to get it all down, and as long as you've got a reference point, a trigger to get you back to where you were uh, when that wh whatever it was came about, uh, then that's okay. So, but sometimes you know maybe maybe you were distracted, maybe you were on a train, or maybe you know dawn came in or whatever yeah. the kids came in, uh, and the ones that got away, you know, does that happen on a regular basis, or have you learned to to bolt the door? No, do you know? Do you know what the the the, the actual chase sometimes is as as much fun as something landing and it working immediately. Um, I I've had songs that I've had for eleven years, twelve years, and you've never found the verse that fit with the chorus, and then one day you do, and you realise that actually, you know what? There's one thing about songs is they don't date. Productions date, drum sounds date, guitar sounds date, mixes date, but songs don't. Songs are always there to go back to and enjoy again. And I'm I never I'm not one of those people that clear out the drawers and go, oh, that was that was the nineties. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I, I I think every moment that you're excited about something, there's a reason for it. Um, so I, I, I like that too, where, where I like it when songs don't happen the same because they shouldn't. You know, I've got friends who are who do this as a as a proper living where they write every every day, and I yeah. I can't I can't get my head around that because to me to be able to write you've got to live, um, and the idea of sitting down in the same room playing the same chord I don't get that, so it doesn't work for me. You said um, you came to music at the age of ten, but Gary, come on, seriously, when a four year old right 
asks for rhinestone cowboy <laughs> for his Christmas present, yeah. you know something's going on. I mean, that's you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out there's something going on here. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I was lucky because um, to come back to one of your first questions about a home life, I had parents that loved music. So, you know, my my mum at 15 went to the cavern every week and she used to go to see Lonnie Donegan and supporting Lonnie Donegan was the Beatles. So she's seen, she actually showed me a, a ticket recently where she had for the, she had a, a ticket for the Liverpool Philharmonic and on this bill, I mean, it was Des O'Connor, Cliff Richard, Freddie Starr, um, it, it was the Beatles, it was Jerry and the Pacemakers. This is one show, and the top of the bill was Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's the end of the interview. So, Thank you very much, Gary I know, Barlow. I know, I know. And so that was my house. That was my hired parents that loved music, so it was always on. So it, yeah. it wasn't the telly. It, it, you know, it wasn't YouTube. It was, it was, it was music. And you had yeah. to put your own visuals to music, and um, and I I think that's that was just a great starting point. But also, Glenn Campbell, you know, a renowned guitarist, you know, in 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 the world of music, um, more renowned for his for his picking than his singing and his mm. songwriting, because he was so so good as a yeah. session musician and as a musician. I saw him at. Um, at the South Bank here, once at the National Theatre, it was one of the best gigs I've ever been wow. to. But the the orchestration, you know, in Rhinestone Cowboy is you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't necessarily associate it with the musical taste of a four year old, but the, that was in your head. It was the depth, the sophistication of what what you were hearing. I remember the first song that I can I can place listening to on the radio was was Obladi Obladar. Mm by the Beatles, and I must have been two or three. Wow. It could have been by Marmalade, I can't remember, but I do remember hearing that on the radio. And so how come you think you, you liked Rhinestone Cowboy as opposed to, I don't know, anything else that was going on at the time, which should have been, what, 70, 1975? So you could have had Pink Floyd, yeah. you could have had uh, Boney M, <laughs> um, off the top of my head, you could have had the beginning of Punk, yeah. but you went for Glen Campbell and Rhinestone Cowboy. And why the heck not? But I wonder why. Yeah, do you know? Do you know? I've always, I'm, I'm always. Um, this, this, this is a, a a negative too. But like, when someone goes, are you, are you happy? You know, all this success. I, I, the the real answer, Chris. The sad answer to that is no. I'll never be happy. <laughs> hey, the album's finished. It, it's number. Are you happy? No, no, because someone else is going to be there next week. I'm afraid. I'm. You know, the news is everyone, I, I'll never be happy. But that's the reason that you do what you do to the to the extent that you, the amount of time and effort and passion you put in, it's because you're never happy. I'm never happy uh, is the truth. But then ask me on a lighthearted note, of course I'm happy. It's bloody brilliant. I mean, I've been doing this for years. It's fantastic. I still get to do it every day. It's amazing. Um, yeah. But if, to go back to what you were saying... I'm I'm always I'm always never happy with uh, there's always something else out there that's bigger and that sound to me was bigger than all this English stuff I was hearing on our record player it was Americana it was big it was that world of movie stars and Glenn's guitars it was just like something bigger there and I, I dreamt it and loved it and I didn't know why I loved it I just did that's a great answer because it's about being lost in a sea of sound, isn't yeah, it? It's, it was different. It was it was something that sounded more expensive and wider and 
just yeah there was something about that record that just for me caught my ear more more than she loves you yeah i know i get it completely and we had gary oldman on the radio show a couple of days ago and he was comparing accents because he's brilliant at dialects and within the acting industry you know other very very well-known actors always cite gary oldman as no he's the man if you want to nail a dialect yeah and he says that when he's trying to understand uh, the sort of foundations of an accent, he goes back to where the accent's from and the geography of, of where it is. So, like, you know, Texas mm. is a hot and it's sweaty. So it's going to be a hot great. and sweaty and languid accent because I'm thirsty. <laughs> and if you think about Rhinestone Cabo and Glen Campbell and you think about the geography and the rolling hills, you know, uh, and, and West Virginia and... You know, that, that, that feels, the song feels really like does. where it's from. Yeah, it's... You know? it's, it's yeah, it was it. You know, as a, as a young as a young kid, you know, who who knows what's gonna. To, I mean, this is the magic and power of music, isn't it? There's something for everyone. You know, if everyone liked one thing, wouldn't it be boring? Mm. Um, and there I was for just loving that that sound. I played it to death. I I, I don't think the, the the 45 would even work now <laughs> if I had it. I played it to death. Yeah. Did you ever meet him? Did you ever meet Glen Campbell? Never met him. Never met him. Yeah, and I've referenced his song so many times. Mm. I mean, if you think about my songwriting, it's not far away from. It's it's actually yeah. I've been I've been so influenced by sort of Southern America throughout throughout my life. You know, Nashville and and it's a place I've never really spent much time. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I've always been very influenced by it. I'd love a Barlow Nashville album. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? No, I'm serious. It would. There's nothing I'd love. I know a lot of people like um, James Bay and stuff, and he's always in Nashville. He's like, you should get out here. And I think, yeah, I should. I should spend some time there. You can't do everything. No. But for a keyboard man, you're a big fan of the strings, aren't you? Because like you say, that permeates lots of songs that, that you're involved with. Yeah, I love the str- I love the orchestra. I really do. And I, I, I've kind of grown into it as well as I've, I've, as I've got older. I've, Finally, last year did did the record I've always dreamed of of having you know a big sixty seventy p. I love that, those sessions. Yeah, um, it's just thrilling, and 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 you know here we are in a time where we we were not allowed to be close to one another. There's nothing better than being in the middle of Abbey Road and the shoulder to shoulder because they have to be. They're musicians. They they tune off one another you know yeah. they 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 find their rhythm from one another it's it's just the best thing ever people playing together well they are, they're a collective musical instrument aren't they they have yeah. they have one each anyway and you know each one of those has strings or if it's percussive it has sticks or or, or you know the harp or, or or the horns or the brass section but then together they become one instrument as well so it's lots of organs within one big yeah. organism yeah, and I'm looking forward to the end of the year. We've got these tour dates, which I really hope we can do. But, I mean, you know, our industry's had a, had a, had a battering and, and I, w- I just want to fill the stage with musicians. I've never toured with an orchestra before, but I'll be getting as many people up there as possible. Yeah, you said um, that when you started to write musicals a few years ago, almost 10 years ago now, you looked down at your piano and you suddenly realised there's 88 keys to play with here. Does that suggest that you were bracketed because of you know, a, a more popular music songwriting uh, um, sort of regime that you had, that you were sticking to, to the middle of the keyboard? Well, you know, when, when, when I joined the band, so I was 19 when I joined the band, I mean, I was like, I could fluently read music. 
Um, the, 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 like I said earlier, the pl the playing was it was <laughs> yeah it was it was really good, and 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 I, I kind of as I started to learn how to be a pop songwriter and you know I, I realized it was about editing. It's about editing away um, that that sort of yeah. It, oh, I don't say dumbing down because it's not pop music is not is anything but dumb. Um, it, the, the, the actual, the genius of pop music is when it's simple. Um, and I had to learn that, um, how to be simple. You know, the, my way of impressing people was playing 50 chords in a second. Look at me, everyone. Here he is slinging chords at the audience and they loved it. But pop music's about making people feel something and feeling something. It's like the best idea in the world. You can tell people in five seconds and they go, wow, that's mm. amazing. A Rubik's cube. That's just, a, you know, <laughs> it, and it's like that with music. So I had to learn that. And, and it wasn't until I started doing musicals that all those skills I'd had in my locker room for years and years, and they'd gone unused. They suddenly came out to play. And it was it was actually lovely. It was lovely to be back in that world. Hey, everyone, we'll put a key change there and things I hadn't done in years. It was lovely. You're all the time in the world and oh. all the all the keys on the keyboard to play That's with. It. But you know, you go back to the birth of pop music, whether it's Chuck Berry or whether it's them, uh, the Beatles, inspired by Chuck Berry. And, you know, and there were lots and lots of songs, and they were very short and they were very energetic. And do you think that had anything to do with the circumstances at the time? I.e., you know, um, recording wasn't cheap, nobody had any money, so it's get down as many songs as you can. Uh, lots of people started with Buddy Holly covers. His songs were notoriously quick. Do you think it's because the Beatles played in the Reaper Barn and they they were worried about getting bottled off before a song had finished, so they just just you know wrote them quicker played them quicker do you think all that has anything to do with it well you know i i, I do i mean that that is an interesting era that is um but i believe it it that that era was the opposite to what happens now that era that was led by live so you would play your song live and if it worked you'd then record it it's the opposite to now Right. where we record stuff and we, we, we put it out and then we get to play it live eventually. They'd go out and test their stuff on an audience. And remember, this this was a rock and roll audience, so they wanted it fast. They wanted to, you know, play as many songs as they could in their set. Um, I, I think the short record was born by live performance. Um, but but definitely the, the beat, the beat, the interesting thing is, is when I started playing keyboards and I, you know, of course no one, I couldn't even write music then. All I did was play standards. Um, but the interesting thing was uh, throughout those years of playing Love on the Rocks and Lionel Richie's Hello and No More Lonely Nights and all these classics <laughs> is that you learn the DNA of songwriting. And I think that's what the Beatles did when they went to Germany. They learned what worked with an audience and what a standard was yeah. and what it looked like and how you played it. That's what they learned. That's fascinating. Love mm. on the rocks. Love on the rocks. <laughs> no surprise. Pour me a drink and I'll tell, <laughs> tell you, you some lies. Yesterday's, Yesterday's gone. gone. And all, oh, all I, I want to smile. smile. Smile, smile. Smile, smile, smile. Got it. Yeah. Uh, what was the first song you ever wrote and where did you write it? I, the first song I ever wrote, and it still haunts me, Chris, till this day, is that song for Christmas. 
That was the time that I went uh, into school and they said the BBC have been on. They want a song for credit. So I'd literally just went home and shoved all these things that I knew into the blender and out come <laughs> Let's Pray for Christmas. And the next step was Pebble Mill. Pebble Mill, which my, it's so weird. That, uh, uh, like a couple of months ago, my son's at uni in Birmingham and I had right. to drive him back to his digs. And, and, and I'm driving down this road and I go, hang on, this is Pebble Mill. <laughs> the tree line, it was like, it's not changed an inch. And that was my, that was the, that was when, you know, of course the sky lit up for me. I was like, this is where I want to be forever in the, in TV. You know, it was just great. Pebble Mill at one. Yeah. Good show. Great show. Do you remember that song now? Uh, I, I mean, I, I sort of. Are you near a keyboard? Uh, hang on a minute. How do I get? It's at the other side of the room. Does that matter? I don't. I don't look, we'll take anything. We'll take it yeah, all. It's yeah, all gold, mate. Well, listen, I'm not going to hear you for a second because I've got to take my earphones off. So just, no bad thing. Just, just I'm coming back. <laughs> And did you notice those 50 chords that I got in one song? How old were you when you wrote that? 15. See, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a few Manilow's chords in that. There's a couple of Neil Diamonds. It, you know, it, I think when you start off, you're, you're impersonating people for a few years. Yeah. It's the truth. Um, but, uh, yeah, great fun. See, your energy's changed. What do you mean? Because I've been playing. I've been, yeah, yeah engaged with music. Yeah, It's yeah. instant, isn't it? It's You know, it almost makes you breathless. It's just a wonderful, wow. yeah, wonderful place to isn't be. amazing? Yeah. And um, it's not dissimilar to yoga because it's very, there are very few things that can change. You know, they call it your parasympathetic nervous system, don't they, apart from breathing. And if you breathe, you can change. And if you sing, you change your breathing. And that gets us all going and all, you know, moving and grooving in the right places. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's you know what, there's some days that um, I'll just go over to that piano in the afternoon. I'll play for a couple of hours. Yeah. Uh, not for anything or anyone. It's just lovely to, to just sit in the company of music. It's beautiful. That is fantastic. And, you know, the more you talk about your formative years, the more it becomes obvious, you know, um, how come the take that part one ended in, in conflict and frustration. Um, <laughs> and it's completely understandable, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you, you tell the story and I've heard it many times, you know, and it, it's, it's always better for hearing it again because you, every time you tell it, you seem to figure out another part of the story about when, you know, you had your dream and then you joined take that in 1989 put together by Nigel Martin yeah. Smith and there weren't five of you there were six of you yeah that's right tell us about that to start with yeah it was a funny one um I remember the first time I met Nigel um I went I had a cassette and a picture of, of you know I'd had a, done a photo shoot and took a picture and um I'd, the cassette was the bit I wanted him to hear and he said oh I'm putting this band together and I said oh I, I, I don't want to be in a, in a band um, because I, I was just, I was picturing carrying bloody drums and amps up back staircases <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't want to be in a group. 
And he was like, oh, no, no, it's not, it's not a group group. And he put on Hanging Tough, New Kids on the Block. And I thought, oh, it's a harmony group. That's interesting. Okay, right. And I loved harmony. I loved, you know, the Jackson 5 and the Osmonds. I loved all that close harmony, Bee Gees. Um, so that, that was what was in my head. So that, then we turn up at this, this nightclub uh, for an audition. And I was picturing, like, kids going around the corner. And there was actually six of us. And, and on came um, Jason's, Donovan's, Nothing Can Divide Us. And everyone's doing, like, the running man. I mean, they were, they were like, brilliant dancers. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't move an inch. Um, and and it was and all of a sudden one of one of the six got cut and he, he I'll be honest with you nice young lad he didn't look like he was part of our gang we we had a look a little bit of a look but he wasn't part of it um, and 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 Chris that was it that was the audition that was the group that day and um, yeah everyone sang a little bit the lads the lads were more you know mark was like an actor and howard was a model and you know they they their their strengths were more in like dance at that point howard was a break dancer jason was an um, i mean jason took your breath away when yeah. he danced he was on telly at the time he was getting fan mail already um you know robbie had a, a charisma you know he, he he was a good dancer too um but there was really only me who sort of sang properly. Robbie was pretty good, but like, you know, I had the vibrato and all that stuff. I was yeah. giving it the big and um, but definitely come away slightly worried about those dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa, I would imagine, with the vocals. But uh, so you were going to sing, you were going to you were going to record covers, songs written by other people until you thrust this cassette into Nigel's hand. And I remember you, you talking about never, you know, it was as if he was going to take it away and put it in his pocket and forget about it. And you held on to it until he looked you in the eye. Well, he always said it took him aback with me. He said, I, when I met you, he said, I couldn't make up my mind about you until you handed me the cassette. And rather than him taking it, I kept hold of it. So he had to like, pull on the cassette <laughs> and I just looked at him and said you you will listen I was I mean listen I was so passionate about this music I'd written and recorded I, I was like I read this this guy he's, he, he seems important I want him to hear it you know it's not just enough to hear me sing I want you to hear my music um and so he, he did so but listen by the time I'd got home I'd, I got went back to uh I'd parked behind Kendall's got the Drove home, uh, got back home. By the time I'd got home, which was about forty minutes, there was five um, there's five messages on the answer phone, and it was his office saying, "Will you ring Nigel now?" And he'd listened to the tape, and you know, said, "This is this is changed. I now want to build a band around you and your songwriting." And that that was that was really that that was the day I thought, right, this is it now. This okay. this feels good. And he had his doubts that it was it was you all the way. He obviously you were on, on the on the demos as the, a vocalist. But he said, you know, he asked who who helped you with these. Yeah, because at this point now, I'd I'd earned me eighteen quid a night playing in the clubs. I had a, a pretty good sister. I had a you know at fifteen, I had a computer that was making music, which is it was very early on. I had a couple of great you know, expensive keyboards, the sort that you'd see on top of the pops at the time, you know, Depeche Mode and all that. I had all this clobber in my 
bedroom and it was sounding good. It was really sounding good. And he was like, right, great, brilliant. Who, who's, who's written the, the, the songs, you and who? I was like, no, 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 just me. Uh, okay, well, what about that music, the backing, the drums? Who, who's done that then? I was like, me, me, it's in my bedroom, all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he couldn't quite believe that it was all just coming from, from my little place. So, um, yeah, that made me happy, that did. Incredible. I know you, you talked about Vince Clark on Top of the Pops before and just can't get enough and him simply yeah. standing in the corner and you think, God, it's me, the energy and the, the originality that's coming from that keyboard or keyboards. I just want to be him. But And we talked, so let, let's just fill in, give us a bit of jam in between the Vince Clark and yeah. Glenn Campbell's sandwich. Who else were you <laughs> listening to? Who else did you like? Oh, I loved Duran Duran and I loved Spandau. I mean, the, 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 they looked the way I wanted to look. You know, and I think the big, the big, you love this actually, because the big, the big moment, you know, I'm in this village in Frodgham and I'm like, I'm getting nowhere here. And I remember turning on like 16, 17, turning on Look Northwest and on was this new guy. He's from Newton Lee Willows and he's got a single out Rick Astley. <laughs> and, and and do you know what? It, it, I, I loved it. I loved the song. I thought he had a great voice. But more than that, it gave me hope. Oh, you can come from a small town and go and do this in London. And all of a sudden, you know, I was, I, I'd got my student rail card. And I was going to London every three weeks rather than every six weeks. It really gave me hope. But when I met Nigel, you know, he had a gold disc on his wall and all this stuff. And I, th I thought that this is it. This is the, he believes in, and he always believed um, in, in, even at times when, you know, early on when the label didn't really like the music and they wanted us to do cover versions and stuff. Nigel was always the one that was like, nope, you know, here's a song. He gave me this on a cassette three years ago. Check this one out. He, he, I did have a partner in him. And whose was the gold disc on his wall? It was for um, an artist called Damien, and it was the Time Warp. I remember that. It was Stock Aitken Waterman. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1989 to 1992, um, your first hit was 92? Is that right? Or not? I think so. It was, uh, it was um, the first one, the actually that was a hit was um, Only Takes a Minute Girl. We'd had a couple fluttering around the late 40s, early Yeah. You know, but but only takes a minute. Girl was our first song, and that got us on to top of the pops. You know, that's not overnight, is it? That's that's a good couple of years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it took us it took us that long to figure out because you've the the other thing is is that you can't just look at the at the group at that time. You've got to look at what's going on, and you've 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 come out of. Jason and Kylie, Stock Aitken and Waterman, where it's, you know, every song's the cover of Smash Hits. All of a sudden, no one wants that. And you've got Faceless Dance Acts. You know, by the time we were coming around, magazines like Smash Hits and even Going Live and stuff, they were like, at last, a band that we can put on the cover. That, that you know, they'd had this whole backlash to image and, and pop music that, it, it was like, don't do that. It's out of fashion, you know, but it was like we we were getting people begging for let's We want that band on our show. So we were getting all these TV shows before we had the hits. All we needed at that point was a hit because we had everything else. Yeah, it's interesting, um, isn't it? So you it's were a gang. 
that's it. It was it's the time you have to look at as well. And that early nineties thing, it, it it was it was changing. Music was changing. Yeah. Um because I remember talking to Andrew Ridgely a couple of months ago about his his book, uh, which was fantastic, and about the, I was so surprised that Wham only lasted four years. But if you think about your chronology, if you if you if you sort of park the first three years, eighty nine to ninety to to the end of ninety one, yeah, and you say you only started having hits in ninety two, and you were pretty much done by the end of ninety five. So that's that's three yeah. three to four years as well. And yeah. again, you know, just just thinking about that, that really surprises me. Does it does it surprise you looking back? Yeah, because to me it felt like fifteen years that quick. Yeah. I mean, it was it was unbelievable unbelievable amounts of work and i know we we were never allowed to call this work but believe me when we'd go to japan you'd be up at half six in the morning doing a breakfast show and you'd be finished with a dinner with the label at midnight and it and it'd go on for weeks that would it it we we whatever that three four year period was we did 20 years worth of work in that period and 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 everyone used to say Take that, the hardest working band, and we were everywhere doing everything. Um, and that 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 it that that's the, the other thing we never never talk about is that you know we we were put together as a group. We we you know I think Howard knew Jay, but not very well. The one thing all of us had and still have to this day is, you know, for five young lads with not a lot of background in music, we were unbelievably ambitious and really serious about what we were doing. And, you know, you still look at Rob, you know, he, he he's still got that work muscle where he'll go out and do all the tellies and do all the promo. You never have to ask him twice to do an interview or whatever. And it's the one thing I would say that's, to me, that's the big lesson. If, if you wanted to learn something from a band like us, that, that nothing replaces the hard work. Yeah, but maybe, you know, again, General Hindsight never won a war, but you did work extraordinarily hard and, you know, you split up um, or did you burn out, you know, and a wiser, a wiser owl. And by the way, I was never that person either. So I'm guilty of the same um, right. mistakes, accidents, whatever you want to call them, would have just said, take a break as, as opposed to splitting up. Because isn't it funny when you're in the eye of the storm, in a way, it's like, you know, it's like the the worst thought a human being could have as an individual, you know, I need to end all this. Whereas actually yeah. all you need to do sometimes is take a break. I know Robbie left in 95. Yeah. And I also have heard you talk about the fact that, you know, in 1995, Back for Good came out and it was, abs you know, then people said, hang on a minute, this is a proper song. Um, and you described 1995 as your happiest year in Take mm -hmm. That, yet you split up about a minute later. So so just tell us about the decision process or the decision tree there. What what the heck happened? Yeah, I, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the one thing I'd say just in, in you know, uh, straight back at you was, you know, we, we, if we hadn't have split up, we, we wouldn't have been able to come back. So, uh, you know, when you look at the long picture of it all, it's all kind of happened perfectly really but yeah, i get that i get that we're all here we're all we're all here because of everything that's happened before us but it is interesting isn't it because you know I, I as i say i did exactly the same thing in my own way but it and it, it's it's great now but i just it's interesting to want wonder why it happened then isn't yeah, it yeah yeah and and yeah i mean listen you know i think the the, the thing is would take that was there was there was no this is the other thing that that we always forget is that there was no blueprint. You know, 
the the bands who come along later they could near enough plot their course using everything we'd done there was no one doing that you know that we were the first artists to have a database in the early 90s really? and 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 the and how we started that database was we used to have this yellow box that we'd have in the back of the Salford Van Eyre van and <laughs> and and as we'd go on stage we'd throw these cards into the audience handfuls of these cards and on this card it had a picture of us and on the back there was a space to fill your name and, and address in and and we'd say put it in the yellow box and Chris we'd come out of the gig and we'd open the top of the yellow box and it'd be full of cards and we'd take them and drop them at the label in London and a, and someone would sit there putting all these names into a database. We had half a million names in this database and no one had done that before. And it's things like that that you you forget that it, it, there was, it wasn't written. We were writing the story as it goes along this yeah. thing. Um, so when you say let's take a break, it, it's really hard to, you know, it felt, it felt like, you know, you, your career's hanging on your next single. Every time we released one, we were we were we were haunted by the idea of you stay away for for six weeks. They'll forget about you. You know, it felt so temporary the whole yeah. thing that the idea of having a break would would feel like suicide at that point. Um, even though it sh that's what should have happened. Yeah. And the other thing was, you know, the the the, the other backdrop that that no one knows is that. Often we'd you know we'd get back after a five month tour of Asia, and the lads would all be booking to go off to, you know, Magaluf and Ibiza and all this, and and I'd get back and the label would go right. We need the new album in two weeks, and mm. that would be my holiday. So I'd get back and and listen. I I wasn't complaining. I really wasn't. But you know, when you say, you know, did you burn out? I was completely burnt. I was exhausted. Um, you know, it it was. You know, there was there was no question that when things went wrong wherever we were in the world, everyone looked to me, um, and I liked that. I liked being the problem solver. But as you looked at that, if I look at any picture of the '90s, you can see who the warrior is in the band, and and that's how it felt. Yeah, well, you've talked about that as well. You talked about the fact that you know if you had one regret, you know, and re you know regrets, we both know they're not healthy, but it's it's just a, an unuseful way of um phrasing uh, a perspective you you said that you wish you'd have enjoyed it more because you basically worried for seven years yeah. and when i heard you say that i felt so sorry for you and i thought <laughs> oh but i know what you mean i know yeah. what you mean and yeah. and and that's you know when i first saw you in take that two if you like you know second time around performing live on stage i thought my God, they're having such a good time. Oh, man, and it was like were. this huge weight had been lifted off your shoulders and you thought, this is why I came down to London when I was 15. This is why I wrote that blimmin' song and sent it into Pebble Mill. Yeah. And, you know, thank God you got to have the party second time round. Yeah, do, do, do you know what? Just just to, to finish off that 90s bit, you know, I look back and go, we were given something that is given to one in 10 million. I don't know what the... the, the the statistics once in a lifetime it's once in a lifetime and if i hadn't have worried through that what kind of a person would i have been we'd been given this eyelash this butterfly this 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 really delicate thing called success 
And if I hadn't have worried to, it, it wouldn't have been me. It wouldn't have been. That's how much I valued it and, and knew how special it was to have it. However, <laughs> to now come back to what you just were talking about, you know, the, the idea of us being able to come back and, oh, it was, it, it was, it was <laughs> like someone shooting a bolt of electricity through our, our bodies. It, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and ours too. As as uh, as as fans of yours, it has to be said. And I, you know, I'm a much bigger fan now than I ever was, and I mean that mm. as respectfully as as I as I can. But you know, I was guitars. We were Terrify Friday. We were yeah. we were grungy and we were getting drunk. We were doing all the kind of other stuff <laughs> and having a party of our own. But I remember you talking about the anger. You know, you used to get angry, um, and I thought, was it anger or was it frustration? Because you have said in the past, you know, I used to be on my own. And everybody else was down the pub and the pressure's on me to write the next single or album. And, you know, I felt like nobody cared. And I, I thought, is that the right phrase? Did you feel like nobody cared or did you feel like nobody understood? Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a it's a tricky one. There, there was no question that... Um, I mean, this this answer could go on for days, by the way. But there's no question. <laughs> I, I was slightly different from everyone else. I I, I was, um, and and you know, I, I would say you've been a, you've been around us. The one thing I always say about our group is is that on the whole, we're a really unusual group because we get on, we get on well, um, and you know, and it's me, Mark, and Howard now mostly, and and that is a dream. I mean, it, it it's just like the happiest touring outfit you'll ever you're ever going to meet um but those days did did yeah it, it it felt like um you know all all I ever wanted to do was go back to when I went into Nigel's office and be on my own is yeah. is is the, the truth that's 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 often what I felt um and but again you know I wouldn't have had it any other way if any if someone else was trying to do what I was doing, I wouldn't have liked it probably. So, you know, it, it, it's a tricky one. It, it, it's very, and the, the other thing is, is that uh, you, you've probably talked about this with, with other people, but that that thing of, the, the one thing I never anticipated when when the group started, I never anticipated how damaging to me f fame and success would be. It, it it wasn't nice. I didn't deal with it well, um, and I thought I was a really together person, and it destroyed me really in the end. It took me years to get over that whole episode. Um, so when it, when I came back to it this time, I came back to it with a real grit and determination that I was going to be in control of it this time, and it and it wasn't going to beat me. Um, and it and it's a it's it's a tricky thing to talk about because hey you know bloody hell you're successful what you're talking about but the way you deal with it it it, it I mean some I embarrass I'm embarrassed to think of some of the things I did uh, and the, the the way I thought back then but but I I had a chance to write all that and that that to me was almost as important as coming back and being a, a big band again. And so when the Spice Girls came along, um, who <laughs> took your blueprint, you know, and made like a gazillion pounds each more than you ever did um, up until 1996, you you must have looked on and you must have thought, well, what did you think? I mean, I, I know there was no bitterness and no envy whatsoever, but what was your take on that? Oh, I don't, I don't, 
I'm tr- I mean, I'm trying to think back to to where I was at then, but I what I wasn't paying a lot of interest to what was you know who was coming up behind us because I felt like I'd left that race. Yeah. Um, and I was very much, you know, the, 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 um, the real truth of that period was, is that I was concentrating on America. I, I, I'd kind of put all my eggs into the wrong basket. I was signed to Arista. I was signed to Clive Davis, who never liked my music, never liked my songs. And for a, for a very long period, I, w- I wasn't writing songs for the joy of it and the love of it and the expression. I was writing it to try and make him happy. And, and it, it fin- that finished me off, that did. When that all fell to pieces, I hadn't looked after this territory. Rob, Rob had <laughs> gone through the stratosphere and I had nothing left to come back to. Um, so I wasn't thinking of the Spice Girls, I don't think, at that time. I was more thinking of how how can I crack this beast you know and i did i, I mean i i did radio shows for a year i went to every state in america for a year doing those six thirty breakfast shows um singing my single and we had a real good go at it and it and it didn't work but you were but i mean take that were big in america though weren't they they well we had a hit with back for good yeah um you know we had like a top five song with that um but it never it, you know and i still hear it on the radio there now but it never connected to who who these guys were behind this song, um, so it was. It's one of those things where um, I mean, listen, I don't ever wake up thinking I wish I was big in in America. I I, I love going there and not being known at all. But at that time, it wasn't the Spice Girls. It was that. Right, got it. <laughs> so um, you're in the wilderness. Are you back in Frodsham? Did you meet, did you stay up north? Uh, you know what I did. I did. I, I went. I went home. That that um, that little town, which I was trying to escape from, uh, I I um I run back to, <laughs> and it was the loveliest place on earth for a f- for a few years. It was it was a safe haven. Right, and so, so the phoenix starts to rise from the flames. Um, was it as a result of the documentary in two thousand five? Is that where it all began? Yes, it sort of was. That that a few things um, happened at the same time. Our friend Simon Moran um, <laughs> had had um, had heard about the re-release of an album, right? Um, and that uh, and and this documentary idea, and and he'd come and gone. You know, I think you guys should consider doing a tour. And we were like, what? Yeah, we were just like we we were all beat. You know, we'd all been you know none of us were in the place where we should be on on a stage at that point um and and that's when those talks started happening and piece by piece you know the success of the album the success of the tv show these little things happening were making us feel better and giving us little inches of confidence yeah that confidence came again mm-hmm. before we get into part two gal do you mind if i just get a glass of water just want to pause okay one second sure. can i get a cup of tea I can't get you one from here, but I'm sure you can get one from here. No, 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 yeah. I, I'll get my own. Just give me... Let's have a 60-second break, shall we? 60 second, yeah. All right. right. Okay. Yes. Right. Are you back? Okay, I'm back. I'm back. How'd you take your tea? Uh, just black. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I have milk in coffee, but uh, but not tea. I'm I'm weak and black nowadays. I lo- I love tea like that now. I can't yeah. stand milk in it. I used to. Yeah. Love milk oh in no, it. no. All I can taste is milk now. 
Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? And yeah. what about uh, what about for people listening? Takeaways for a good drink to lubricate your throat. A good drink. Yeah, I'm not not a not a very well behaved singer. I'm not. I mean, I do things like um, I I was taught years ago um, that one of the most important things for a vocalist is sleep. And it makes complete sense, really, doesn't it? When you've had a bit of a long night and you've not had much sleep, you wake up and your voice is croaky. Yeah. Um, so I'm really strict on my sleep on tour. Um, but things like drinks, I'd just have water. I'd just try and stay off dairy when I'm touring. Uh, it's the one one thing that can make you a bit nasally and, you know, um, not not a nice conversation, this, is it? But but that, that that's the sort of thing I stay away from. No, a lot of people say that. Katie Perry said that to me once, no chocolate before, you know, if she's on mm. tour and none of that nonsense going on. Let's talk about um, fitness and health and then we'll get back to sort of part two, take yep. that, Gary Barlow. Yep. Because you and I, we've shared a few conversations. So you helped me out with acupuncture once. I remember that conversation. Yep. And then we had a hair conversation and recently you posted a hello hilarious hair hair themed <laughs> video on the internet <laughs> young mr barlow <laughs> yeah i know well listen you know as we grow up we need to pass these things <laughs> on to one another don't we we're just trying to survive here keep our dignity intact um, so tell me about um acupuncture well you know what i the thing is, is that as I discover something, it's like the best discovery. I have to tell everyone, and I'm the best in the world for discovering it. But the one thing I've realized with all of these things, and it could be yoga or meditation, or it could be even listening to music or whatever, what they do is they take you out of the world. And it could just be for 30 minutes or an hour. And it could be reading. It could be going for a walk. It could be any of those things. They all are. They all belong in the same category. And it's just removing yourself from being available, from doing what you would, you'd call work, from being a dad, from being a husband. It's, it's something you do by yourself. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's lovely. It's lovely. You get a lot from it. Um, and it, and if you make a habit of it and you make it part of your schedule, um, then you start getting very protective over it. And if someone interrupts it or they put an interview in at the time that I would do that in the day, it's like you cannot do that to me. It, it becomes like precious. Yeah. Um, so that's what those things I, I've realized are. Yeah, I, I, acupuncture. I love acupuncture. I don't have as much as I used to. I've got to start having it again. But, you know, I meditate now. I try and have sauna every day. And it, it's all about separation, isn't it? It's separation from your automatic, you know, albeit wonderful life to yeah. give yourself a bit of perspective. I mean, where we live now, down by the river, you know, if we go for a run on Saturdays and Sundays, Tash and I, we end up in the hills. And we can literally look back down on our life. And it just right. gives you that separation to then reconnect mm -hmm. and start again from where you want to start as opposed from down the river where you suddenly find yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's it. That's exactly what it is. Um, and, you know, for some people, that's go, getting out of the house and going to work. I mean, it's a good thing to talk about at the moment because obviously we're, we're meant to be in our houses and stuck in them. And it, getting that break is is just so, so, so important. Um, and it's, you know, one one of the rules I, I, at my studio, I, I have a... I have kids who come from straight from music school and they do a year in my studio. And the one thing I always say to them as, as like a, you know, a stipulation is don't be in the studio day, night, and weekends, and you've got to live. 
to mm. be able to, to, to work and emote and create and be artistic, remember to live. Because otherwise, you, you, you know, where's it coming from? It's coming from just someone else you've heard or, you know, it ha you've, you've got to go out there and feel and be moved and be amazed and, you know, all those brilliant things to then be able to, you know, put that into sense and make it into music. So, yeah. The, the more you talk, Gary, it's, it's wonderful to hear because, <laughs> you know, there's that, there's that, the, uh, the laws of attraction principle which is you know deal in abundance and not lack and don't cling but just let go and wait for more fuel to come along you know and it's funny isn't it again you can't you can't there is no fast track to this you just have to wait and you have to experience things and then you have to learn from them and then you have to reflect on them but you know hearing you a talking about kids who sort of go on this bespoke Gary Barlow Studio Scholarship, you know, and then you sharing your time with them, which is very Elton John-esque as well. Mm. Um, when when did you begin that? How do how do kids get to 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 benefit from that? Well, my my, my main uh, engineer has been with me for seventeen years, um, and he went from he, he has a fabulous story actually. Um, is that he when he first arrived, he was literally just answering the phones. We needed. You know, it's it, it's a building, and we ha we have people coming through it. Very important meetings go on there, so I need people who'll get people drinks, and you know, who'll send files and do backups. You know, there's a whole there's a whole workload that goes with having a, a, a recording studio. Um, so he arrived, and all he was doing was answering phones. Um, now, if I fast forward seventeen years, he's produced my last album he mixes all of the take that tours in 5.1 i mean he is you know now this 36 year old genius uh he's he's one of apple's beta testers i mean this guy's done unbelievably well so i find these people from being recommended or or, or whatever and and take them on and give them a thrashing and send them out out into the world so, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing! How many, how many kids have come through that sort of school? I've got three there at the moment. Uh, there can be sometimes only two, um, and and I'll be honest, I'm not a good boss. I don't want to be a boss, so I'm I'm not trying to build this big business or whatever. But I do need hands on deck, you know. When I'm, I mean, I'm in the middle of a film at the moment, and it's a lot of organisation. You know, even sending bills for musicians to be, you know, there's 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 a whole infrastructure that goes on around what this beautiful thing we do that needs taking care of so i need hands on deck um so yeah that's what that's about so just back briefly to the fitness so um because yeah. people you know do you have any takeaway tips because you, sometimes you have to get to sleep um some people are blessed with being able to do that naturally i'm definitely not one of them uh, i've just started wearing an eye mask I've, I've tried to make january this year my 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 month to master sleep is i've got to say it's actually going pretty well what about you what about you in sleep what about you in nutrition um yoga you've touched on yeah. uh, breathing excellent just give us give us some of the gold that you have discovered over the years because you've had to yeah i know I, I feel like you know a lot a lot of the times um you know you, you you're flying for 12 hours on a plane somewhere and you land and you've got to go and be on a breakfast show uh, with your face and your voice and all the rest of it so i've definitely got some skills over the years um, I feel I find that I've got a little thing for breathing on my um, on my my phone that I I use quite often. It, it's 
you know, it's it's more about um, the sleep for me. The sleep is the real key thing. So I, I do things like having a bath 45 minutes before going to bed, you know, so your body naturally brings its temperature down, which gets it ready for sleep. Um, that gives me a good night's sleep. I, I always, you know, try and... You know that thing where if you leave a job half done before you go to bed, all you do is think about it all night. I try and top and tail the day so so there isn't anything. I'd rather do in an hour in, in the evening than have it run around my head all day. So it's just it's just things like that, knowing you know which things matter to you that, that are going to play on your mind um, and trying to have a nice clear head before going to bed. I, 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 I've done that. Um, I'm going to sound like a weirdo now, but... I had a lot of success with those um, ridiculous blue blocking glasses. I don't know if you've tried that. No, I haven't, but I've heard about them. And there's that and amber light, isn't there, as yeah, well? Yeah, the, the only reason I really have tried to not advertise it or even do it in the company of people is I don't like the ridicule, to be honest. I'd rather <laughs> have a bad night's sleep than the ridicule. But honestly, that works. Because let's face it, we, we like to watch box sets before night. We check our phones. We're getting a lot of blue light just living in a house. Yeah. Um, and and that that can that can you know you can get to sleep probably much faster you using just that technique so what kind of yoga do you practice um you know what there's a couple of people i um follow and subscribe to um and yeah it's very basic you know again it, it's something that i think i i've gone if you'd have, if we'd have been doing this interview ten years ago, I'd have been like, you know, Barry's boot camp. You know, if you don't come out <laughs> dripping, you've, you you're worth nothing. That's uh, now I'm like, I want to be a little bit bit nicer to myself. You know, I, I, the stretching is something that's I think stretching's more important for me than exercise. Uh, Barry's boot camp in Los Angeles. Did you ever go there? I've never been there, but oh, I, 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 I would. I really well. As you probably know, I, I spend about a third of my year in Los Angeles for, for work and a bit of holiday. Um, yeah. But I love, you know, the spinning and all all that stuff. It just feels better there for some reason. Soul Cycle. So I love Soul Cycle. Sunset. On yeah, sunset. I love Soul it. Cycle on Sunset. I, I'm Get more towards the beach, but but there's all that down there as well. Yeah. So stretching yoga. Um, yeah. A mate of mine who's just recently done very well, uh, God bless him. And I said, so, so what are you going to treat yourself to? And he's treated himself to a full-time chef. Oh. And I'm like, that's interesting. Mm. And it's and what, you know, again, first world problems, but why the heck not? Now, eating properly and having food that's good for you, available for you and your family to hand, which makes it all easier. Because if you wanna if you wanna do things that are better for you, make them easier to happen and make yeah. the things that are bad for you more difficult to happen. Um, what where are you with food on a regular basis because i know your regime is pretty um strict and you're all the better for it are you still gradual and often yeah i'm very strict on myself everyone always says oh you're too strict but i, I you know the, the the it's 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 slightly more i don't want to bring the conversation down here but you know when, when i if, if i eat too much i i feel depressed and it and it takes me back to you know, I've, I've, it takes me back to the years where I used to eat and eat and eat till I was in a coma and then enjoy, you know, chucking it all back up again. It, it, it just, it, I just don't want to be back there ever, ever again in my life. It felt like the very, very lowest point for me. 
And so on that moment where I go, I might have seconds, I go, no, I don't, because I don't want to feel like that. So it's not a healthy, it's, you know, it's not the healthiest place to be with food, but it's how I survive with it. And, and I have a slightly complicated house. My, my wife's got diabetes type one. So, so she, you know, there's a, the, she nearly can't eat anything really. So we kind of try and eat the same thing because it's near enough how I eat. I don't eat sugar anyway and try and stay away from dairy. We stray away from starchy foods. And so we don't have junk food. We don't have fried food. So it's not dissimilar. And our daughter who's 18 uh, is, 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 going she's going to go off to uni next year and she's going um she she wants to do um like a natural food um d- degree and and so she's cooking in the other end of the house beautiful cakes that don't have any of this rubbish in and so you know i don't need a chef is the, is the answer yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we're we're all very serious about food it's not just something we decide at half six what we're going to have for dinner it's a it's a house where we think about food because we have to and do you have any drinking reels? Because we've, you know, we're, we're Friday and Saturdays only now. But the funny, the less we do it, you know, the whole re-education of, of or reprogramming of the microbiome. I don't, I find I don't have to resist the bad things as much as I used to. I still, you know, like last night, you know, Joe Biden, you know, inaugurated. I thought, yeah, it's a Wednesday, but, what you know, a glass of wine's not going to hurt. And I did resist it. Mm. But then come to Friday, which I really look forward to, a cold beer around five o'clock or a gin and tonic, a couple of glasses yeah. of wine after that. However, having said that now, sometimes mid-Friday afternoon, I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's going to be fine, but I'm not sort of craving it like I used to. What about what about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think this lockdown's increased my drink. My, right. <laughs> yeah, I think we we drink more often than we used to, uh, but not to a point where I'm worried. I've got to be honest. Again, th- this is a this is a very strange time that that I don't believe we'll ever see again in our lifetimes. We're worried about the kids and the long term effects that it's going to have on them because it's a very worrying thing. This I think we're all underestimating the long term effects of what this can be. An extra drink or two a week. I'm not that bloody worried at the moment. I'm just not. Yeah. There's bigger things to worry about. Um, but in general, Chris, I like a drink now and again, but it's not something I'm I'm worried about. I was really glad to hear a couple of years ago um, when we sort of reconnected, more than a couple of years ago now, but time yeah. flies, you know, because the, the, you didn't, you famously said to me, I don't really drink. And then, you know, the next time I saw you, you said, oh, I love a glass of wine. I'm thinking, oh, good, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> we can have a chat about this now, which I was quite pleased well, about. Well, that, that reflects a lot about what we've talked about. I've just chilled out a bit more. Yeah. I've just, yeah. like, it's all right, you know. So so that that's, that's a, that's a, I think that's a, a 360 thing for me, that generally most things I know to, you know, just this is fine, you know. <laughs> now, you had, uh, you had a, a mid-career crisis. Um which you we we could have avoided both of us we didn't um but then there's midlife yeah. which you can't avoid so um bizarrely for you your mid career crisis may also have encompassed some kind of uh, uh sort of fast forwarding to a, a midlife crisis but of course you know very recently 50 just 24 hours ago as far as this recording is concerned <laughs> uh, have you come anywhere close to a midlife crisis well dawn says my midlife crisis has been these tours we've been doing 
um, where where you go out and feel 18 and you're old, you get screamed at and you have people cooking for you and driving you. And I mean, that's a midlife crisis right there, isn't it? Um, so I think it's yeah, pretty, pretty good one. That, I think that's been it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely big shifts that have gone on in a, a you know m- many areas of our of our lives in in the last. 10 years some some bad and some really great uh you know we 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 celebrated 21 years of marriage last week it's never been stronger thank you very much Good but it's been you. but it's been a ride you know we were a partnership that um I'm I'm glad we're here still um we've definitely had a few things thrown at us and uh you know it's not been easy but but we've we're here and we're, we're still as in love as we were, I think the 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 day we met, and we're we're a great partnership. Yeah, I would. I mean, you you feel free to say you're a thousand times more in love than you were when you met because I've you are, and you're you're a brilliant couple. You're a, you're an example to to everybody else, and you have faced the the most you know unthinkable of times. And I know that it's been it was took you a while to talk about um, what happened in two thousand twelve. Um, with your stillborn daughter Poppy, but uh, you specified in interviews, you know, closer to that happening that you didn't want to talk about it. And then when you wrote your book, you purposely did talk about it, and you've talked about it more and more ever since. And there's a freedom to that, isn't there? And there's an agency to that. There's a there's there's you allowing yourself to own that. Yeah, it's it, it's again, it, it's one of these. It's one of these tricky things where you have there's a there's a thousand answers to 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 to, to the question, um, and it it you know it it takes into consideration lots of things. It's first things privacy, um, the first you know being respectful to your partner who who isn't in in a position where you know she needs to tell people or feels like she wants to tell people. You know, are we in a position of 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 being a voice for people who need to hear voices like ours? Because I tell you what, there's one thing that we learn is that so many people go through this. It's it's astounding. Um, so so you know that weighs heavy on your shoulders. The responsibility to be a voice, and and then you know you think of your audience. You know that they they want to come out on a Saturday night and and dance to your music and they don't want some guy up there it's, it's a it's a really tricky one chris to, to try and balance that and and the only person who can balance that is you it's not your manager or your agent or or even you you know your partner really you, you've got to bring yourself to um i don't know if we'll ever come to terms with it but closer to terms with with what's happened and how it's affected our lives and and you and who you are, you know, this person talking to you has changed. I have changed um, with with that that's happened and other things that have happened. Um, but but um, yeah, I, I do. I do start the day with different things. Today, I want to talk about it. Tomorrow, I don't want to don't bring it up. Don't dare bring it up. You know, it's that it's a funny one. It's one. It's one of those things I've not still. Yeah, I don't. I don't know whether there's there's still the one thing that worries me about. Um, it's very different from a from a man and a woman experiencing this, uh, and the one thing that still 
a big part of me in this subject is I'm very angry about it still, and it's not healthy anger. Um, and and yeah. so that that's why I don't go on every show and open my heart out with this, is that there's still a bit that's, that I'm trying to figure out. So in a nutshell, Chris, it's very confused, that answer, but that that's where I'm at with all that stuff. Yeah, but thanks for being so candid. And, you know, it, it's 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 this the sighting of the fact that you wake up every day, you know, feeling one day about it differently to, to the day before or the day after. That that remains your connection with Poppy. Yeah. Because why would you want to put Poppy behind you? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, you, you, anyone with a with a keen eye could 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 go back over all of my albums since 2012 and you can relate to so many i mean she's alive in all of that mu music you know and 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 nothing gives me more joy as to when i'm stood singing let me go on stage and people are jumping up and down having the and there's the light yeah. right there and and that's something for us all wow. to remember as we go through life that we're going to leave fantastic things um and, and yeah that's that's the that's the beautiful side of it chris all right 2005 yep. part two take that <laughs> boom um when was the when was the contract where was the contract what was the commitment from the record company and simon yeah. and yourselves and was it nervous was it excited was the champagne was the like shit what are we doing that, this for again or that. what <laughs> that no champagne <laughs> um it was terrifying utterly terrifying um yeah yeah i mean listen you're gonna get you four different answers to, to what you've just asked if you ask the other lads but but for me it was you know i was this, this was this was all i had you know it, it was like wow i'm gonna take this opportunity and run a thousand miles with it um and and yeah, it, it, I remember there was one particular night that that um, you know we all sort of joined the band again at different points over that first year. Um, but I remember being this. This is going to sound odd, especially with everything we've talked about. There was actually a nine-year period for me where I didn't make a noise. I didn't want to be heard. I didn't want to sing. I really didn't want to sing because that voice had gotten me to this place. And that music, I didn't want to do music. You know, it was really a time where I didn't like myself that much, so I hated the sound of my voice and, the, you know, and all that. And I remember being stood on stage. It could have been Newcastle. or It was somewhere where I was stood and I was singing. And, you know, singing is a... It's just a brilliant thing. People sing in the shower. They <laughs> sing when they're painting. You're happy when you're singing. And I remember going, mm. oh, fuck, I've missed this. Oh, sorry, I've sworn. Sorry, you might want to get rid <laughs> no, of that. I love it. I remember thinking, no, I love this. I love this. This is what I did mm. in those clubs, travelling around Wigan. And I, I used to run out on stage because I loved it. And I was back there again. And it wasn't about contracts or a big tour date. It was the fact that I'd reconnected with a with a big part of me. It was like a limb, this thing, this thing, music and performance. And and it was back and it felt beautiful. And there was a lightness to it, wasn't it? Because, you know, 
you you look up and I've seen you on stage, you know, and your eye line is above the horizontal and you are literally looking up to the stars. Um, you know, and that is palpable. You know, as an audience member, you can feel that, you know, especially now as a three piece. You know, and it, I I love I love three, don't you? Three is three is the magic number for so many different reasons. You know, it's triangulated, it's a pyramid, it points to where you want to go, all these different kind of things. But when you know, and you can all have a go in the middle, and you can all right. have a rest yeah. as well, which That's is really nice. important, yeah. isn't it? But of course, second time around, bigger, better than ever, deeper than ever, more sophisticated, you know, um, uh, more elaborate, more elegant, you know, take that, you know, proper is proper. No, you know, we, we played, um, pray on the radio this morning, 29 years old. That is a fantastic (laughs) song. Fantastic. song. that was take that first time round, but second time round, different ball game, different formula, different chemistry lab, different ingredients, different alchemy going on, you know, um, when was the first time on stage? Not that you played, but you thought, you know, yeah. I'll use the word now. Fuck, this is this is so different to the first time. Yeah, around. I know. It was that first tour back. I mean, I remember that 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 very first show we did, where we were all. I mean, I I mean, I couldn't remember the last time I'd been nervous about doing. It. I d- I just don't get nervous, and and it's not because I'm a I'm a know it all. It's because I'm. I'm just so, it's just so natural for me to sit and play and sing and stuff. So I don't really get nervous. We were shitting ourselves going out backstage. <laughs> and, and, and I remember, I remember we kept saying, is it too late to not, not go out? It was, it was so, we were in such an unbelievably bad place as, as, as people about to go on a stage. So that so that show, Chris, uh. that first show, it went by in about five minutes. It it went right. by so quickly, and there was a moment, and th- this is very telling. Mm. This is that you know we we talked earlier. You know, I I spent most of the first five, you know, the first incarnation of Take That, looking forward to being on my own. I I looked. We were on stage. We were in the middle of Newcastle Arena and I looked and there was Howard, my brother, my mate. There was Jay, just loving the moment, you know, kicking his heels, singing it. There was Marky, beautiful Marky. My mates, my mates. And behind them, Chris, was chaos. The crowd were going crit, <laughs> and I thought, "Look at us here!" And of course, you've got them earphones in, so you're in your own world anyway. And just for that moment in the middle, I was like, "Oh, I'm so proud of us! I'm just so proud!" And it was like almost I joined Take That for the first time that night. It was a really funny feeling. Um, it meant more to be in that group at that time than it had ever felt in the past. It's funny you should say that because that's what I was going to say. You know, you'd never really been in Take That. It's an odd one. It's an odd, and I don't know if any any of us had really. You know, we were five guys who we'd been handed this thing that was utter life changing, and we didn't know what to do with it. Who does? Who you can't go on Amazon and dial right here we go how to be a successful pop star at twenty. Oh, look at this. Uh, you just don't know. So you're just riffing. You're just getting through to the end of the day the best you can, trying not to annoy everyone, trying not, you know, trying to deliver with whatever you've done and to the best of your ability. I don't know if anyone was in the group the first time round. 
but we bloody were the second. We really were. Yeah, and you, and you still are. I, I guess, you know, and you know this better than me, but I guess the others may have felt they were in it a bit more than you because, as you say, you were waiting to not be in it in, a, in many aspects, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, we talk about this. We talk about this a lot. And, and you know, I, I, have to, I have to come to the table here with, with some sympathy for the... For, for the uh, I mean, just, just imagine for a second that you're in a group with me you know, I, I can't stop. You know, even when, when the band's not working, I'm off doing a solo thing. I'm off doing a musical. It must be bloody annoying being in a group with someone like me. Um, and yet they don't get annoyed. That You know, they send me messages, good luck, do this. Do, you know, maybe I've just been lucky and I'm in the band with the right people, but it can't be easy being in a band with someone as... I don't know, obsessed as someone like me. I, I you know, I, I can't stop. I don't know how to stop. Um, so, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, what, what would it like for you being in a oh, band with you? Do it'd you think? be a bloody night, but I probably wouldn't be in a band. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's it must be tricky. Right. So, so how many how many tours now? How many albums? Um, second time around, I can't keep count. I'm afraid, but I know. Uh, you know. So, Ultimate Tour, Beautiful World, The Circus, Progress, Three. Uh, Wonderland. Uh, so we're on our seventh tour uh, this time. That's this time round. Um, and so there must be albums, must be seven albums with that as well. Um, and a couple of solo albums in there as well. So we've, we've been busy. We've not been slacking. And so what what is the schedule for the next couple of years? Because you can do that now because you're a proper grown-up and you're allowed to give yourself the benefit of organization so so what is the schedule that you can tell us about yeah we all felt like at the end of uh, odyssey that we'd done that cycle of tour album for two you know every two years for about 14 years it's been it's been a long stretch mm. uh, so everyone just wanted to like either extend that two years to three years or maybe three to four i, I don't know where everyone is really at the moment to be honest on that but listen we've not split up I know that the you know when we all decide to get back out there, and we're pretty similar, the three of us. Me, Mark, and Howard are very you know. There's almost like an invisible thread when it's time. We all know, um, and we'll be back with new music and and a new and a new tour. We we love it too much, and our audience, uh, we we you know we know. We know what they want, and uh, it, it won't be long, I don't think. But but the run-up, I mean, for you to prep an album and a tour, yeah. what, what's that? What's that time frame? Yeah, new music's, you know, mu new music. The the longer you're around in this business, gets trickier. You know, where haven't we been, and what haven't we done, and what, and and actually above both of those things, what I've just said is what gets us into the studio what excites us you know that when we find that then it's brilliant then we're off and we're, we're doing it but i don't know what that is yet um and then i i never i'm not one of those people where you know if i read a review and it said you know oh, i love this album it's just like the last one that's a fail that's a fail yeah. right there i love to be searching for new stuff every time so so yeah so so from 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 conceiving that idea then it's probably 18 months to release yep. and then it's another 3 or 4 months after that you'd go on the road. So no sooner realistically than 2023 really. Yeah that would be an optimal year I think especially okay. with what's going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I'd want an audience who are completely 
have been in many shows before they come to ours because oh, you've, you've been in those audiences. They go crazy. You know, you wouldn't yeah. want it any other way. Yeah, I, I think the first live um, events that take place get to take place this year, hopefully. Mm. People are going to go. Like, we're going to. There's, there's never going to be scenes like it. I don't I think. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. I can't. I can't wait. Are you looking forward to seeing anyone? Oh, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I mean, I'd love to see Elton before he retires. Well, um, yeah. You know where to come for that. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, your your gig, your gig. I knew you were leading up to that. I was going to no, say Vegas, and no, then I thought, I, oh, hang on. I wasn't really leading up to that, but you, you yeah. know where you know uh, we can get you in. He's Chris, talked about that. I've mm. always said this. Any you call on me anytime, mate. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I just thought it'd be fun for you to come and watch I'd, him in the I'll, field. I would love to come and watch Elton. Put, put, put me on the guest list, please. Oh, right. um, I might, I might even get in a spare piano. Hey, Chris, just, can I throw something in? in? Case. Can yeah, I throw can. something in to this conversation? 100%. Can you, can you hear that? Can you yeah. hear that? Yeah. There's something you said to me, and I don't know what was going on in your life um, around this time, but you said something, and it stuck with me. And it's a little lyric idea, and I've not finished it yet. Right. <laughs> But I'm 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 getting there, and I thought, you know what? I might just play this to Chris. Go on then. You you I I don't know what was going on, but you you mentioned to me this observation that you'd had was that when when this is bloody morbid, I know it is, but when we're when when we're put to rest, mm. there's two sets of numbers: the year we were born, yeah, and the the year that we go on, and in that middle, there's a dash. And that dash, that little line, is life. Mm. This beautiful life. And um, and I got a little chorus, and I thought, I've got to hit you with this, because I think it could be quite good. Are you serious? No, honest, mate. <laughs> Between the numbers, there's the dash. Between the present and the past. Between the numbers, there's a line. It's there to say you've been alive. It starts and finishes a song. Stop to blink and it is gone. As delicate as an eyelash. Between the numbers, there's a dash. Well, I lo I love that. Gary. Nice, right? Blimey, O'Reilly. Yeah, that's it. Well, well, good. Well done. <laughs> How much do I owe you? <laughs> you owe me absolutely <laughs> bugger all, mate. Bugger all. You've done so much for us over the years, turning up at the last minute. You've been super sub twice for us. Have I? Yeah, you what super sub twice. You super sub for Lionel Richie at Hyde Park. Do you remember? I loved that. I loved that. And um, then you super sub for us at uh, Carfest when you you and the boys turned up and you played you played your first festival gig where you just knocked out the we tunes, did. no we dance did. numbers, no choreography, and you no. bloody well loved it. We love we did love it, and I remember seeing um, James Martin on the front row, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> "What the hell am I doing here?" <laughs> no, great fun, great fun. Uh, what are you going to do with that song? I don't know. I don't know. It's That's it's great. it's. I've been nursing it as they say. Um, but no, it feels feels special. So I don't know. I'll, I, when I finish it, I'll play it you first. 
fine. Let me. I, I might even get a phone, especially for that that <laughs> that call. That'd be amazing. Oh, don't right, don't so, push it. Okay, no, let's not go too far. Let's not get carried away here. So, will, will there ever? Gary, I never say never. Yeah. Um, will there ever be a five again? Oh, I think there will. I, I think, think there so will. Too. Yeah, that's I great. think there will. Yeah. That's that's the you know again one of the thrills about being in the band. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen from record to record and. Um, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's a very, very safe place. Take that. It's a, a lovely environment. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it feels always like a safe haven. It's a place to go back to when, you know, you've done a bit of playing around and like it's time to go home. It always feels like going home, going back to the band. And how do you feel at fifty compared to forty? Um, let me see. Pairs of fifty, so the kids are all sort of. I mean, Daisy's twelve now. I mean, they're not kids anymore, really. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, it feels like there's another adventure about to start. It really does. Yeah. Um, we've we've definitely in the last few years, you know, found found our time as a couple again, and we're loving that, and we're loving watching our kids grow up and go off and achieve things you know we're possibly going to be downsizing at some point that feels positive um yeah i think it's actually better it feels better to be 50 than 40 yeah i love i love i love it i love my 50s um yeah. i've loved it all to be honest but you know joe biden yesterday 78 years old did you watch his speech i did beautiful it's great wasn't it yeah really nice i mean you know i love america and i want them to get back to to that magic place I used to get on the plane and couldn't wait to land. And it just feels at the moment, I'm just, you know, I've got so many mates there and I'm just praying and hoping that the, 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 the tide will turn now and, and get back to greatness. Yeah, I think it already has, to be honest. Mm. But Lady Gaga, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I was aware she could hold a tune, but she smashed it yesterday, Amazing. didn't she? Yeah, she's a, she's a really, I mean, also the, the one, she, I've always known she was a great singer. Um, but when I saw her in the movie as well, she's 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 just yeah. She needs to tame it down a bit. She's making us all look <laughs> it's a bit shabby, bit yeah. shabby. Yeah. And uh, how are your pals now? Because I know you you're good friends with Elton. He cites you as a friend. You cite, you are proper proper friends. You've talked to me about <laughs> Barry Manilow before. I mean, who are the other? Who are the, your other gods who are, who are now pr you know proper go out for dinner with your wife's friends? Oh, you know what? I've been, you've, I don't know if you've know they've seen these things I do on my socials, but but the one the one thing um, that Dawn said to me was, you know, oh, we've we've done sixty of these crooner sessions now, and she went, you know what? It's a real it, the the one thing. It's not about the singing. It's about friends coming together and 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 doing so. And I think God, I've got so many great friends in for an industry that's. So well known to be, you know, you've got no friends in this industry. It's not true that. It's not true. I, 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 I've got loads of good mates. Um, you know, my my close closest ones are probably Ronan and his wife. We see them a lot. Jason Donovan, and his wife. We see them a lot. Obviously, Howard and Mark. We're always hanging out. You know, if I'm in LA, if 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 Mark's in not in my house, we're in his house. You know, it's it's. I'm I'm surrounded by you know look beautiful friends and artists and you know it, it is nice to speak the same language um i obviously have friends as well who don't do what i do and it's a different night out that is yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> I'd love I'd love to see the tour, you know, y- you and your pals, you know, you and Rodan and you know, you and Rick Astley on tour. Oh, what I a love laugh Rick. that would be. Wouldn't I that love be Rick. fun? Oh, we all we're always out with Rick and Lean and we, we I mean again, you know, they're just great people and, and and you know the other thing is they're all people I respect. You know, it, it's one thing to do it. A hit here or there, but to have a long, long time in this industry, it's bloody hard. It really is, mm. um, and I respect anyone who can do that. And um, and yeah, I've got lo- lovely people around me, and I'm I'm very blessed. Do you ever fancy that gang show on tour for six weeks or something, just for a bit of fun? Do you, do you know something? You'll you'll appreciate this, but you know something that's never been done properly, and I think <laughs> I could be the one to do it. There's never been another traveling Wilburys. Right. You know, like a gang that yeah, get together yeah, yeah. and you write and, you know, you film it all and, and you write for two weeks do in a it. studio do in it, Nashville. Oh, you come know, on. You, can you do imagine it. that? It'd be, be brilliant. And take it on the road for six months. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, and every five years do it. You know, that's what they're doing at the get together. Yeah. Bit, of, bit of group therapy. I'd love Li- that. Literally, group therapy. Uh, Is that what right. you call it? Yeah. Do you call it group, group uh, th- That's the name of the band. <laughs> <laughs> was there a death metal band called Therapy? I there think maybe, there was. Maybe. I think there still yeah. is, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well that's, that's, that's amazing. That's such a good idea. So your take on the traveling Wilburys might be might include who? Let's, let's cast oh. your super group now. Oh, isn't that? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so Andy Burrows on drums. Yeah, lovely. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yep. Um, now, that the keyboard player from Snow Patrol who has written Ed, some of Ed Sheeran's biggest tracks. Um, or, or, hang on, let, let, let's, go, let's go across the decades here. So I'd have Mike Lind up on keyboards. There you go, mm-hmm. level 42. Okay. Uh, and because uh, there's always two keyboard players, Vince Clark on the other side. Nice. That'd be terrific. Uh, and then we'd have a mixture. We'd have some of the Sugar Babes with some of Little Mix um, with maybe even a Spice Girl as uh, our beautiful uh, BVs. There, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, guitar, um, I'd have to have Jeff Lynn on guitar, uh, and, and because the thing is, as well, is that he's had experience doing this before. He's yeah. done it before, so it'd be, he'd be it'd be good to ask, hey Jeff, you know what? What should we do about the tour bus? You know, should should we should we let the girls go at the back or the front? You know, I think you're wandering it off into fantasy here because you know, well, Jeff Lynne was with Roy Orbison and Tom Petty and George Harrison and Bob Dylan in the original Wilburys, but you, you've not mentioned Rick Astley. That's how the whole idea came. I was about. getting to him. Okay. I was getting to him. Fair we are, we already Sorry. had him on the list. Sorry, apologise. <laughs> hey, listen, it's all fantasy. This I, I, every time I meet uh, you know people in music, it's a fantasy. It's it's amazing. Um, but um, and then we've got to get Chris Martin up up front. You know, we've we've got to fight over the lead vocal. So I'd have Chris and I'd have um, uh, Brandon as well from the Killers. I mean, God, I mean, Chris, where do we start well, with this? This isn't a super good. This is now like Live Aid Two. It is. is what we're it about. is. It is. Yeah, I like to aim high. But could it happen? Honestly, do you think it might happen? Do you think you might go on tour with a few pals and just have a right laugh for six weeks? Well, do you know what? Do, 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 the one thing the Americans or always do so well is they collaborate very well and I don't think we do it as well here and it's something we should adopt especially now with this side of the pandemic it's like let's join forces everyone and let's Mm. try and do this but but I would love it and you know what as well you could we could all fly to Nashville and we could film the writing and recording and the I mean it'd be an amazing documentary 
Um, just the chats and the, the, the lunches you have. And it, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, and we all know where documentaries can lead, don't we, Gary Barlow? Uh, well, there you go. You never know what's going to happen. Let's talk about that because that's that's really um, something so important because we talked about the fact that the 2005 documentary, Take That Documentary, basically began the 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 second coming of Take That. You know, bigger, better than before. Um, you're still together 16 years on. We're looking at maybe you touring again with at least um, Howard and Mark. And who knows, yeah. you know, you might be back to a five for 2023, which spookily would be the 30th anniversary of your first number one, yeah. which would make total sense. Yeah. But um, when you when you, when you you had your meltdown and you, you've said, you know, you didn't even sing out loud to yourself for nine years. And and then when, when you, you, you had your issues you, you, with eating and, you know, you, you various ways you tried to externalize an internal problem and you went to see the doctor you know and he told you how heavy you were because you weren't aware of that yeah. you know what what i think is really important that i that, that would be helpful to people to to hear from you yeah. is once you'd been confronted by somebody who you trusted and respected what what was different and you've talked about the fact, you know, you realized you needed to do it for your kids mm. and you had to be a better dad and you need to be more responsible, you know. But, you know, it doesn't take Einstein to realize that, you know, in 2003, after confronting, you know, what you sort of knew what was wrong anyway, two two years later, after sorting yourself out, guess what? Mm -hmm. It all comes good again. Yeah. So so for people listening, what the day after you saw your doctor, what what kind of decisions were you making? Because people will be in a lots of people will be in that situation now. Yeah, and you know what? It was something I was putting off. I mean, what he told me, I already knew. Um, but when it comes from an, another mouth, another person, it's real then because it's in the air, and someone else has said it, and you've heard it, and there's something different about that. And you know, I, I, that was followed by. Um, Again, lots of emotions. I was I was angry for a few weeks because I was so. The one thing that I grew up a lot on that day because, you know, when things weren't right in the past, there'd be an army of people. You go oh, sort that out, will you? Uh, hey, get, you know that's gone wrong. Will you will you make will you fix that? This was my. It was the first time I'd had something that was so big that no one else could fix. I couldn't give it to an assistant. Couldn't give it to a manager or an agent. This was my problem. And it was the first problem in my life I'd really ever encountered. Um, and it, it was like, it was it was so, you know, you stood at the bottom of an enormous mountain and you've no clue how to use these poles or the things that you've been given. You, you just don't know where to start. So initially it, it it's it's frustrating and um you know it it took me ages to get a handle on it and of course you you try and take the short route you try and take the route that's easiest um and that's when i started getting into trouble with food but you know when when i eventually um all of a sudden things make sense and uh, i remember the first time putting my trainers on and and going for a um a a, a run and and something clicked that day um and and it, and it was massive it was massive because all of a sudden i had a weapon i had a wep i had a weapon against food and i also had a weapon against feeling down and feel and feeling like 
um, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with the day. I, I had this thing then, which was exercise, and it got me out the house, and it made me feel good, and I hadn't felt good for a long time. Um, and 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 it was the well, it was the answer to a lot of things. And of course, what I didn't realise was that 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 I was getting myself into gear because something enormous was just around the corner. Um, and thank goodness I did, because it doesn't happen quickly. Um, and you know, th things, quick fixes are short fixes. And and the, the the when you when you make a change, and I needed to change a lot of things because I was I was eating a lot of. Um, Food. I didn't understand food. I didn't know what a protein was or a carbohydrate. I, I just didn't know. Um, so the the education, I needed to act quickly. Uh, so I, I needed to get my shit together, but in a in a short time, but but with a long term goal. And so, so put, putting on a pair of trainers was that the first step? Literally, the first. I step? think it was. I think it was. I, I be, because it was such a radical thing. Here, here's a person who really hasn't sat, got out of a chair in a long time, and also, I hadn't looked upwards for a long, a, a few years. I, I, everything was downwards. Everything was just looking at the ground, and mm. I got out and I felt the air on my skin and. And I, and I, and something changed that day. So a, a little switch got switched, and and that was the start of my recovery. They they do say mood follows action, you know, and I've only heard that in the last couple of years. But I'm such a great believer in that, you know, and that can be putting on a song, it can be taking a shower, it can be going for a run, it can be picking up the phone and talking to someone. You know, if you if you think you can't change your mood, then usually physical movement, whether it's picking up a phone or stepping outside your house. Because it, you can't fix the mind with the mind. You yeah. have to get out of your own head, don't you? Yeah. And th that's the physical aspect of that. And, and I think it's one of those things. You've got to do something that is is not in the circle of things you've been doing. You've got to break that yeah. that vicious circle. I know it sounds like a, a an obvious thing to say, but when you get out of it, you go, wow, look at this. This is amazing. Mm. And all of a sudden... Things that seemed bad the day before, they're not so bad now. Why is that? It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so simple, really. But but that that was the moment for me where I went, I've got to get my act together. Right. So you from the day you pulled on your trainers, did you go for a walk or a run? What was? The... I went for a run. How, how far? About fifteen meters. Uh, remember, I was 17 and a half stone, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was massive at that point for me. And and you literally 15 meters. It was something like that. It wasn't far. Wow. I was sweating and I was out of breath, um, but I'd done it. I'd done it. Um, so I went and laid down there for a month because because that took it out <laughs> of me. But then I, then of course I. And and then then comes the next thing you get addicted to it then you know a, a day goes by where you know you you've knocked on the gym oh no no I've got to get out I've got to go and have a walk now and and that's lovely that's a that's a nice place to be as long as that doesn't become a problem but uh, yeah it's a good feeling really is so so from day one put it on the train a seventeen and a half stone to to wh how how many weeks months till you saw you saw you felt a palpable difference you know obviously you felt great straight away because you thought hang on a minute I feel different and a bit different is is the is a world of difference when you've been in such a a, a, a dark place for such a long time but how long did it take you to to I don't know to look in the mirror and think yeah you know. Yeah, I, do you know what? I didn't. It wasn't a looking in the mirror thing for me. It it was um, <laughs> it was again, uh, you know, when the when the 
the notches on the belt, I so proudly stood in the kitchen with a screwdriver making another notch in yes. the belt. Oh, it's so cool. good because it's physical. Um, I wasn't keen on looking in the mirror at that point, but it felt good that something was going on here. And then, of course, what that means is I've had a run today, so I'm not going to eat that rubbish because it's going to destroy all that effort I've done. And, yes. and on it goes. That that thought process gets more positive. Yeah, the upward spiral as opposed yeah. to the downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah. And have you, have you ever fallen off the wagon since? Do you know what? I don't really. I mean... You know, I mean, a couple of days ago, it was my 50th and we, we you know, we, we had a lot to eat and we both said the next day, do you know what? I, I used to eat like that every day and I, I, I you know, I want a year now where I don't eat like that again. Yeah. It, it, I felt terrible. Great mm. at the time, but oh, it stuck with me for hours after. Yeah, and if you can fast forward to the next day in the moment, uh, it's so much easier to resist because I found that with drinking. It's like, you know, now and again, you know, if I do have a bit too much, you know, it's almost serves as a reminder why not to do it as opposed to falling back into doing it. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's that, it's that horrible saying which I always go, don't say that, you know, balance. Don't. If I had bloody balance, I wouldn't be here talking about <laughs> it. But it's that having that, you know, a little bit of balance where it's a treat, it's then you've you don't do it for a while. It's trying to find that, and it's you know, you know, it's it's tricky. It really is. Are you fitter now than you've ever been? I'm not at the moment. Um, the the last few years, I've again, you know, we talked about this earlier. I've chilled out a little bit. I'm not yeah, as yeah. tough on myself as you, so I'm probably not as fit. But you know what? I'm I'm healthy in I'm healthier in mind than I've ever ever been. Uh, because I don't have to beat myself up, you know. If I don't do as much exercise this week, I don't eat as much that week. I I I, I do keep things in balance. Um, I've been thinner, but I don't really care about that. Um, you know, it's not out of control. I f I feel like I'm in control, and that that's a good place to be. Good for you. Right, so you have a new contract. It's 2005. Without giving anything away uh, that you shouldn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> what What did that contract look like compared to, say, the next one, 2008, 2010, when everybody thought, hang on a minute, this is going to be better than the first time round. Was there a massive difference? Was there a chasm of difference between those conditions and those terms on offer? You know what? I'll be honest with you. It... It looked like a joke when when we got this thing through. Um, it, it had like thirty arena shows on it, and we were like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Who and and so so what happened then? This this is I've t I've told this before, but it, it's just interesting to throw in is that I, I went right. Listen, we've got to get a second opinion on this, and we went to another another very famous agency and promotion. And they said what we were all thinking. I can't see this without Robbie being involved. And we were like, yes, that's right. No one's interested. No one cares about us. Um, and, you know, it, and somehow we ended up going back thinking, this guy's intriguing us. Is he crazy? Or, But he had, he'd been all our gigs. And he truly believed people wanted to see this. And so, you know, we, wouldn't we be foolish not to be dragged along? So Simon was right and Live Nation were wrong. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> you said just, that. Just the wild guess, I Gary. Know, just the wild I guess. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They were wrong. Well, I think we're just about done. Um, yeah. Is there anything okay. we've not covered? Is there anything? 
No, mate. Anywhere I don't think there is. Don't Sorry. think there is. I'm trying. I'm just so it's pleased. It's gone quick and all. We've we've done a proper interview. I don't know how you do this after doing a full show. Because I love it. It energizes me. It's like right. a workout. I used to fear working out because I thought I'd be more tired, but you get more energy because more you energy. work out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, when yeah. when you when you have a conversation like this where we're both completely open, you know, from 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 the neck down, it's oh, just great. you feel it, don't you? Yeah, mate. It's lovely. It's lovely. It was the same on your radio show, though. I, I always feel rushed when I'm on the radio, but I, I didn't <laughs> on yours. <laughs> lovely. Great. By the way, the album was fantastic. You know, oh, you thanks, and mate. you. You sat very comfortably in the middle of that that massive orchestra, I didn't loved you? It. Loved it. I really, I really loved it. But you know what? Bo- Bo- I don't know if I said this to you on on your show, but Buble gave me a great piece of advice because I, I I did when I first spoke to him about the record. I wasn't talking about doing a duet with him. I was literally going to go, "How do you do this? You've done it for years, you know." And he said to me, "The one thing Frank Sinatra used to do was he used to become a character." And he said, "And that character." You're the you're the leader. You're you you are the boss. You are the guy in the middle. You've got to pull your shoulders back. And I don't really do that. I go out and do it to an audience, but I don't do it with a band. So mm. you're in charge of seventy people. And that's how I was arriving at the studio. Right, everyone, let's tune up. Let's get out. And, and it's funny. <laughs> and I, and I've got to do that in November when I go out on tour. I've got to be the boss for the night. Before you go, okay, if you. If you, if there were three things you'd still like to achieve, do you have three things on your radar? Are there three specific things, you know, within the next 10 years or, or you know? Oh, let me think. Let me think. Um, well, there's obviously immediate thing, but I'm not going to, you know, there's things I'm working on at the moment that I, that yeah. I hope, hope they work, but they're, they're not, they're not, that's not interesting. Um, I'd, I'd hate to say this, but no, there isn't. There isn't. Uh, it, it, you know, ra- rather than strive for this or strive for that, I just want to continue doing what I'm doing because I'm yeah. enjoying it. I'm, I get more out of it than I used to. Um, I just want to be allowed to still do this in 10 years' time. Uh, that's the goal, to just still be here. So stay fit. Plenty yep. of sleep. Stay fit. That's it. Keep, hold, keep a handle on your nutrition. That's it. That's because it because it all it all funnels into the same place, doesn't it? All this thing, yeah. You know, be, being a better artist, being a better writer, better dad, better husband. It's like all those things contribute to that. To, to that. Um, so yeah, that's what I want. Better granddad. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that'll be next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Beat you to that one. Got two yeah. of those. Uh, right, Have Gary. You? God. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good in the hood. Come around our house, wow. mate. You, there's not enough oxygen to breathe, let me tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> listen, have a great day. Thanks for oh, your time, Gary. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, mate. Good to speak to you. I'll see you at Elton's do. Wasn't he great? Isn't he great? I love the bones of the man. That's Gary Barlow on How To Wow. If you enjoyed this conversation, um, then please do rate and review and subscribe. And if you didn't, then God help you, frankly. Good luck.
This episode of How To Write, which I absolutely love, tell all your friends to listen to it from wherever they get their podcasts, is brought to you by Better You, the innovative natural health company specialising in the supplementation of the growing number of key nutrients lost through our dramatically changing diet and lifestyle. Find out more. Better You currently have 25% off their magnesium range, which is very important now, more important than it's ever been to us, until the end of February. And How To Our listeners can get free delivery with their order by using the code WOW at checkout. Visit betteryou.com slash wow to get started. Thank you. Goodbye.